This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Today, Referendum 90 is a ballot measure that would affirm a bill passed by the state Senate requiring public schools to teach comprehensive sexual health education. Here to talk about some of the questions surrounding it is Leah Griffin, a teacher librarian and sexual assault reform advocate. Then, a postcarding effort right here at home. Vicki McMullen is a volunteer coordinator with Postcards for Washington, which is aimed at driving turnout in key legislative races across the state. That is all ahead, so stay with us. As we get closer to the election, some listeners are indicating that they have questions about Referendum 90, or R90. This is a ballot measure that would affirm a bill passed by the state Senate requiring public schools to provide comprehensive sexual education starting in 2021. Joining us to discuss this is Leah Griffin. She is a teacher, librarian, and sexual assault reform advocate who serves as a representative of survivors on the Sexual Assault Forensic Examination Best Practices Task Force out of the Attorney General's office. She collaborates with with Senator Patty Murray on federal legislation to increase access to sexual assault nurse examiners. And she also serves on the board of the Sexual Violence Law Center. For R90, Leah is a volunteer who serves on the Coalition Building Committee and also the advisory team. Leah, you are so busy and I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about R90. So let's jump right in. So R90 is on the ballot to affirm a piece of legislation that passed in the state Senate, and that piece of legislation was called SB 5395. So let's start there. What can you tell us about that bill and what it provides for? So 1997 was the last time our state legislature passed anything regarding sex ed. And in 1997, that was before marriage equality. That was before the Me Too movement. And it allowed entire school districts to opt out entirely from teaching any sort of sex ed whatsoever. Senate Bill 5395 was prime sponsored by Senator Claire Wilson, and it removes that opt out option for districts so that comprehensive sex ed is not contingent on a student's zip code here in Washington state. It also makes sure that LGBTQ individuals are included and see their identity in sex ed and it mandates consent education. So making sure students know how to say and receive a no. And that part is crucial to preventing sexual violence in Washington state. Uh, The bill was was passed in the legislature. It was uh, opposed heavily by far right-leaning, especially Republicans, uh, but did pass and was signed into law by Governor Inslee. And unfortunately, What happened is far-right extremists who are anti-science started lying to parents and telling them things about the law that simply are not true and gathered enough signatures to put it on the ballot this November as a referendum. So as voters, if we approve of age-appropriate, comprehensive, and inclusive sex education, we need to vote approve on R90 to approve Senate Bill 5395. Okay, thank you for making that clear. And I should just mention for listeners that the bill is officially on hold pending the result of the election. So you touched on this a little bit, but I'd love for you to go a little bit deeper. Why is this bill important and why do we need it? Well, this bill is important. And the first thing I want to say about it is that it is not actually controversial. The overwhelming majority of Washington voters approve of sex ed. 
And the two biggest points that people really care about are one, making sure that students have access to STI prevention and that we can prevent unwanted pregnancies. 88% of Washington voters have that as a, a priority, and this law does that. Uh, 81% of voters think that affirmative consent education is important. Uh, and I work on sexual assault policy reform, and I've done that for years to try to fix problems in the system, like the rape kit tracking system, police training, hospital protocols. And those are all great, but they're band-aids on a problem. The most significant thing that we can do in Washington state to prevent sexual violence is passing affirmative consent education. And we've done it, and it is critical that we keep this law on the books. It also has other equity impacts. Uh, one is the impact on LGBTQ students, making sure that, that those students see themselves existing in the curriculum. Uh, and then the other part is in racial equity. We know that BIPOC students are more likely in Washington to receive abstinence-only sex education, and that puts them at an extreme disadvantage. So we need to make sure that all students in Washington, regardless of where they live or the opportunities that they have, all get medically accurate information about their health. You've used the term affirmative consent, and I just want people to be very clear what that means. Can you explain that? Yeah. Affirmative consent is that yes means yes when engaging in sexual activity. So the absence of a no does not reflect actual consent. It is also my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong here, that SB 5395 stipulates that children can be excused if their parents request it. Is that accurate? It is. And there's so much parental involvement in this bill. Uh, one, parents have the opportunity to work with their school districts and PTA to select a curriculum that meets the, the standards. Uh, there's so much opportunity for parents to be involved. And then if a parent still decides after the curriculum has been chosen that it's not right for their student, that they are allowed to opt their students out. But they're not allowed to opt out an entire district. Well, and along those lines, we hear a lot of misinformation about the measure, uh, specifically that teachers are being required to teach non-age appropriate subject matter. What are the facts here? Well, the facts are that the law mandates the curriculum be age appropriate. And what makes my heart happy is as a school librarian, somebody who teaches information evaluation, uh, the lies that are being told by the far-right extremist anti-science uh, group are so radically, obviously untrue that I, I don't want to give them daylight on the podcast. Absolutely. If you hear something yeah. that your third grade teacher w would have not taught in school, uh, it is like it is it is not true. So age appropriateness is actually written into the law. Uh, and what's really important, especially for the elementary, uh, is that this is important to keep kids safe. As we talk about stranger danger, you know, in preschool and kindergarten to our kids, and we need to keep that messaging up so that if students are being abused, we can intervene uh, and prevent childhood sexual abuse. Uh, the children need the language to know what bad touch is so that they can reach out to a trusted adult. 
And it's also social and emotional learning. So teaching students how to have healthy relationships, how to have friendships that are meaningful, how to self-regulate their emotions. So there's nothing sexual or inappropriate going on at any level in this new curriculum or in this new mandate. As we know, the state GOP appears to be using this referendum to try to increase the turnout among their base, which can also have an effect on down-ballot races. So how do you think we should counteract that? I think we need to all be talking about how awesome sex ed is. How great is it that we have an opportunity as a, a state? This is the first time sex ed has ever been a statewide ballot measure in the entire country. So we have this wonderful opportunity to talk about preventing sexual violence, to talk about reducing pregnancy. We know that in other states that have implemented mandatory sexual health education, that unwanted pregnancy rates are lower, rates of STIs are lower. This is our opportunity to do something to keep our kids safe and healthy. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's all great across the board. Uh, How can people get involved? What do you need uh, in terms of help? We need help talking to voters. So talk to your friends and family about how important this referendum is, how important approving R90 is. Uh, We have a huge coalition of organizations, over 100 organizations working together on this campaign, all volunteer run. And we could use people to volunteer for phone banking, for text banking. And also we could use financial contributions so that we can do some ad buys and get the information that we need out there. Uh, So we would love people to sign on at approve90wa.org. And you can go to the website. There's an opportunity to sign up there and get involved in the campaign, just talking about how great sex ed is. Uh, I would encourage listeners, don't get involved in Facebook feuds about the misinformation. We don't need to to give them any more recognition. Uh, But talk about how important it is to prevent sexual violence and make sure kids have STI and pregnancy prevention. Approve90wa.org. You can find that in the show notes at indivisiblepodcast.org. Again, a vote to approve is a vote to pass SB 5395, which will require all public schools to teach age-appropriate, inclusive, comprehensive sexual health education to K-12 through students. Leah Griffin, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me and approve R90. Over the last two election cycles, you have probably noticed a number of volunteer efforts where you can write and send postcards to voters in swing states or swing districts across the country. What you may not know is that we have a postcarding campaign here at home, and it is more important than ever this year since we are largely stuck in our homes and we cannot make in-person contact with voters. And here to tell us more about it is Vicki McMullen. She is a volunteer coordinator with Postcards for Washington. Hey, Vicki, how are you? I'm great, Stefan. Thanks. So, you know, I think a lot of people think of Washington as this safe blue state, and they're focusing on swing districts and swing states across the country. Why did you decide to launch a postcarding campaign here at home? Well, it started in 2018 with some women in Kitsap County who just wanted to write for a candidate they liked, and then it just sort of morphed over time. But this year, in 2020, as you said, we've got a coronavirus going on. We can't go campaigning door to door. And it's super important for the state of Washington to remain blue. I mean, we we have a blue legislature, but 
we didn't even get to pass a green climate change bill. We where uh, gun safety is on the line. We have a, a regressive tax system. So it's important for us to get more progressive candidate, more progressive electors in there. Couldn't agree with you more. Plus, we have to keep in mind that we have the census. And so that's going to come into play at the legislative level as well. This is the second time that you have done this. The first was in 2018, and it was a very successful campaign. How many postcards did you send then? We sent about 20,000 postcards for six candidates then. That's tremendous. And do you have any idea of the impact of that campaign, both not just on the voters, but also on the people who wrote the postcards? Well, we don't really have data for our particular effort in the state of Washington. What we do know is that postcards can increase voter turnout by about 3% overall. That's what the studies have shown. So that, I mean, if you have a tight camp, a tight race, that can make all the difference in the world. The other thing is it gets people doing something. You know, it's relatively easy. You can actually be very creative. People get really fancy with some of their cards. It makes them feel good. And then it's also, we found with our own little postcarding group here at Wallingford Indivisible that we're starting to get people who started with postcarding and now they're venturing into texting. They're even trying the horrible, horrible phone banking that everybody, you know, (laughs) hates. So um, it's a good way to get people involved. It makes them feel good. And there's just some people, even if it's just postcarding, it, it really does have an impact and they can feel good that they're doing something. I've heard that in case after case of people just saying, you know, I didn't know how to get started. And then they start with postcards and it really is kind of a gateway to more involvement. So I will ask you, who are the candidates that you are writing for and, and what were the criteria in choosing them? So right now, we've, we just started, we sent out our letter to saying these are the candidates that we can send you addresses for at this moment. And that's Dave Paul in LD10. Uh, we're doing an LD19 with the three candidates on it there, Dean Taco, Mariana Everson, and Brian Blake. Then Joyce Stanford in LD26 and April Berg in LD44. So those, we have the addresses and everything. Now we're still working very closely with Lori Fagan, LD4, Ingrid Anderson, LD5, Angie Homala, LD10, Brian Duthie, LD25, Carrie Hesch, LD26, Twina Nobles in 28, Jesse Johnson in 20, Jamila Taylor in 20, Alicia Rule, 42, and Helen Price Johnson in 10. Well, they're all tremendous candidates, and in very crucial races, I will just point out that we've had the great good fortune here on the show as part of the Town Hall series to uh, interview virtually everybody that you just listed off, and I can vouch for just how great they are. And for listeners who are interested in hearing more from these candidates, you can go to indivisiblepodcast.org. What were the criteria in choosing these particular candidates for you? So we, well, we worked with a couple of other groups so we could get some input outside of the three of us. Um, and we were looking at close elections. So something in the primary that was like 5%, give or take, you know, that they were on either side of. We are looking for geographic diversity across Washington state because we want everybody to have an opportunity to postcard for their candidate in their area. And then we we particularly were looking at candidates of color. 
Okay. And for people who want to get involved with this, tell us a little bit about how it works. First, how do you get the postcards? How do you obtain the postcards? Well, you actually provide your own postcards. So you would just go out to um, postcards for the number 4 and you would sign up. So once you sign up, then you can, uh, if you're a new writer, we have you send us a picture of the postcard so we can make sure you're doing it right. And after that, you just say, I want, you know, 40 addresses for such and such a candidate. And then you provide the postcards, you provide the postage. But what you need to do when it's all done, oh, and we provide instructions, but we need you to fill out the form for the uh, campaign finance rules. So um, we have to keep, everybody needs to keep track of how many postcards and postage they're donating. Pretty easy. We just email the addresses out with the talking points. We give them a guide on how to do it because some people are brand new to it and they don't have the experience. So we pretty much give them everything they need to get going and they just write the postcards. They stockpile them because we mail them all out at once uh, on a couple of different dates in October. And those dates are chosen by the candidates because they have figured out which people we're writing to and they have a strategy behind the postcards. So one more time, give us a website for this. Postcards, the number four, wa.org. And we have a Facebook page, same name, that you can ask to be a member of if you want to. Vicki, I really appreciate you taking this on. I must say, it's not just me. There's three of us volunteers here. So uh, Deb Carson and Kathy Wallace should get equal share of the credit. Well, you have just given that credit to them, and it is well-deserved. Hello to everybody at Indivisible Wallingford. You guys are great. You do wonderful work. Vicki McMullen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Stefan. And that is it for today. Our website is indivisiblepodcast.org and our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Thank you again to Leah Griffin and Vicki McMullen. Thanks also to Catherine Fysears. Special thanks to Lori Colwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs>